Hello, wonderful family of God. It's so great to see you. We are family. Most wonderful, thrilling feelings to know we are family. We are joined together. It's such a wonderful thing. The best thing that ever happened to me in my life was giving my heart to Jesus and meeting the Lord and actually getting to know him all these years. I, uh, I'm just so thankful he saved my soul. So, uh, we're living in interesting times with a between COVID and wars and things. And I'm here to tell you that God has still not changed. He's still on the throne and he's still Lord and he's not stressed about anything. Yeah, God's in control of the whole universe as he's in control of our lives. Pontius Pilate said to Jesus, speak up. Don't you know I have the power of life and death over you? The reply of our Lord and Master was, you have nothing except the Father give it to you. And that's the truth. Jesus himself declared that nothing can happen without God's intervention, his permission, his involvement. And uh, the Lord Jesus did many miracles and that was the clear sign, according to Isaiah, of the Messiah that was to come. The struggle that the Pharisees had was that John came preaching the message they understood and did no miracles. Jesus came preaching a message they could not figure out. It was good news, and they couldn't understand the good news. And he did miracles, so they couldn't put it all together. Miracles were all over Galilee. The Galileans are a different culture from the Judeans. They are the blue-collar society is whereas the Judeans were mixed, mostly white collar, mostly educated in high society and different communities, but very calmness, strong calmness is always over Galileans, and that's where Jesus did all his ministry, most of his ministry, and even the miracles. In Jerusalem, he had to go to seven festivals, actually there was eight, including Hanukkah, but he'd go to the festivals, it's required of more, all the Jews to come at least three times a year to the temple which Jesus did. He frequented the temple, which I could take you to Israel and show you how large the temple really is. The platform that the temple is built on, Temple Mount it's called, can house 10 rugby fields. So you can imagine the volume of people at a festival that was of celebration, a place of great preaching that Jesus would do. Now in Jerusalem, he did many miracles. He refers to the fact that he did miracles to the Pharisees, but there's only two miracles in Jerusalem that are actually noted in the Gospels. And both, these, both of these fascinate me because they both include the Shabbat, the Sabbath, and they both include a mikveh, which is a baptismal bath. And I thought that was kind of intriguing. One was in the north and one is in the south. Should I take you to Jerusalem? You would see that Jerusalem has three peninsulas or three valleys, the famous of which is the Kidron Valley and the peninsula which David's city was built on. And as you go high, you end up on the Temple Mount and the temple. Hence, David said he was glad when he went up to the house of the Lord. It was always physically higher. And so the lowest pool was Siloam, which was a result of Hezekiah rerouting the water to avoid the, uh, the invasion he was having. And so he had them build an internal tunnel that ended up in Siloam. They found it accidentally in 2008 when they uncovered some sewage. They found this huge pool, which is exact steps that are still the way it was many 2,000 years ago, at the Pool of Siloam. And then, of course, the Pool of Bethesda, which is a very north near the Sheep Gate, and I wish I could go into tell you all the details about this thing so you understand the Word of God a little more. But Jesus went to both these pools and healed people. But I want to read from the book of John, 
John chapter five, and John is a very interesting and intriguing disciple. The disciples, and I wish you would study these things to understand the life of Jesus and his words, because we follow Jesus. We don't follow Peter, we don't follow John, we don't follow anybody else, but we follow Jesus. We learn from our disciples, brothers, we learn from them all, but we follow Jesus. You got that? So whatever he says and whatever he does is what I want to do and, and, and I want to know. Correct? Now, John was only 18 when he met Jesus. And he lived to a very ripe old age and died of old age on an island called Patmos. He wrote his book of Revelation there. He wrote the book of John earlier than that in his early 80s with some help of some Greek uh, disciples of his, actually not the Greek, they were Turkish, Turkish disciples, he, in, in the place of Ephesus, he wrote the book of John. And in chapter 5, we read these words, he's relaying an account. In, it says here, sometime later in verse 1, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. And now they're in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, which is called now Lion Gate, if you're interested, which is in Aramaic, it's called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he, asked, he learned that he had been in a condition for a long time. He asked, do you want to get well? Now, I don't know Jesus to do that on a normal occasion. People were always overwhelming him with long lines. They were lowering people from the roof down to get healed. They were after him and the miracles he'd do. It's not the place of Jesus to go up to someone totally strange in a, in a pool of Bethesda and then ask him, do you want to get, you want to get healed? He's offering his services like it's not a, not a whole, whole host of people wanting to be healed anyway. So you wonder why he's doing that. He says to him, do you want to get well? And sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool where the water is stirred. For your interest, the poor, a mikveh has to have pure water from the ground. There's not any impurities in it, and it may not bubble. So this would bubble from all the movement of the water, and then it spill over into the second. So there'd be two pools, spill over to the second pool. And so the theory was, when this was bubbling, the angel was troubling it, and, and you'd get healed if you could get near it. So he's been laying there for years, waiting for the opportunity or some way to get a miracle to get into that pool. Just some hope. So he says, I try to get in the water's pool. While I'm trying to get in, someone else gets there ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Had he said, just get up and go, that would have been okay. But picking up your mat on a Shabbat, on a Sabbath, is seriously offensive. And I know most of you Gentiles can't possibly grasp the culture of Shabbat, but it's a very serious thing for a Jew when we have Sabbath. It's so serious, if you go to Israel, they'll have elevators that are Sabbath elevators that you cannot press the button, you just get in and it'll go to where it's supposed to go and bring you down. Every floor it'll stop because it's a lot of effort to press a button. <laughs> but actually to help you, you go here to understand what it is, it's simply... It's very simply the psychological approach. We don't even start a coffee machine because everything must rest. It's a rest, a time of rest. And it, or the whole country like sighs, just breathes out and just relaxes. And so the whole culture is very strict on resting. And he picks up his mat and he walks on the Sabbath. Why he couldn't heal him the day before? There after had to be the Shabbat. And he did the same thing in the south, which is physically lower and at the other south side 
of this peninsula, the Pool of, Beth Pool of Siloam, he meets a man that's blind from birth. And if you'll come to the next session, I'll be teaching more on that. The blind from birth. How do you know someone's blind from birth? It's not like he's wearing a sign, blind from birth, blind from... I mean, how do you know someone's blind, they just stare into space, but how, if they're blind from birth, how do you know that? Well, it's because there's sockets, there's nothing there. You can tell there's no development. And Jesus, being as creative as he was with the Father, watching God make man dust and breathe into it, and there's man. So Jesus said, dust, 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 no eyes, dust, 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 and he... Breathing, breathing, no, spit, spit. And he rolled it and he made an eye and he popped each one in there because the, the miracle was not done yet. The creation hadn't been completed. And he said, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam on Sabbath. And you wonder why this is so prominent. This is the only two miracles named in Jerusalem. Well, I found in Second Samuel chapter 5 and verse 6, that when King David came to take the last of the Philistines, the Jebusites, who had then stayed in that same city that David took on that very hill, they shouted down from the walls of their citadel, their fortress, they shouted at him, and you read it in the verse, you will not take the city. Even a lame and blind man will keep you out. So when the son of David came into the city, There'd be no blind man or no lame man that would keep him out. He healed him miraculously on the Sabbath. He defied everything because he's the king of all kings. Now, why I'm telling you that is because Jesus did many things and he said that all things can be fulfilled. You look at me like you've no idea what I'm talking about. But Jesus did a lot of things that very carefully stayed in line with all the plans of God. Everything is very lined up and symbolic. Nothing was carelessly done. The timing of our Savior to be born when he was, was so profound. The, the Jerusalem was about to be destroyed. Jesus said in Matthew 24, time is coming that is more terrible than any time ever before or ever will be. And so I'm, I'm talking to the Lord and saying, I realize 70 AD when the Jerusalem fell, that when the, those Romans of 80,000 came and destroyed it, it was, it was absolutely bad. But my family come from the German uh, stock where there was 6 million killed. That was terrible. And then I learned from the Lord that when he referred to that time, that more terrible than it would never be again, he was referring to that 70 AD and the 2,000 years to follow. Because Israel had been persecuted for 2,000 years and was scattered and beaten all over the world until they became a nation in 48 again. And so Jesus had predicted that. And he said, not one stone will remain in this temple exactly as it was. all that he said happened. But everything was fulfilled according to the purpose, even him as the Lamb of God. If you were a good Jew and you came to Israel, to Jerusalem, and you wanted to make a sacrifice, best place to find sheep is at Sheep Gate because the Bedouins would bring their sheep to sell, and you don't bring your sheep miles and miles away. It's quick and easier to buy it at Jerusalem. So you get your sheep and you make sure you buy a good one, and you, it's not lame, and you have to bring it for inspection. Because the priest will inspect your sheep. They'll mount it on a table and they'll examine the legs, the teeth. They'll go through every part of the body feeding with any broken legs. There may be no wrinkle, spot or blemish. And once they've declared it, it's fine. They get called the second priest and he examines it. Two priests had to make sure the lamb was ready for sacrifice. And once it's ready, you have to keep the lamb away from the person bringing it in a separate holding place and nothing can happen to it until the sacrifice time. Jesus, the lamb of God, had to be inspected. 
And so Pilate washes his hands and said, I can find no wrong in this man publicly. And Herod said, I can find nothing wrong with him. And he sent him back to Pilate. Two figures that were prominent had to declare publicly the Lamb of God was without wrinkle, spot, or blemish. And once it was declared, they held him in Antonio Fortress, right to separate until the time of sacrifice. Everything was parallel. Now, why I'm telling you all this is, in your life, you have so many things that happen that you just don't understand. So confusing to you why God allows and how this works. Some things happen just because they happen. Rain falls on the righteous, the unrighteous. Things happen. But many things are far more detailed in your life than even you can understand. Because God completes circles all the time. You've said it with your mouth. It feels like we've become a complete circle. You have no idea how many of those are in your life. And God will work, keep working things and he'll complete things as much as you let him and work in your life because he's working all the time. Jesus said, my father is always working. And so am I. So God's always at work. He may not be doing visibly what you want him to do, the way you want him to do. Oh, well, because he knows a lot more than you and I do. If God would explain to us just one fraction of what's going on in our lives, we would still be confused. Because how do you explain to someone that's undeveloped brains? I mean, I, my grandkids ask me to do, I tell them to do something. I say, why? Because I said so. And when they get older, I tell them why, because they have more understanding. And so God just tells us to obey, to do what he's, to trust him. If I knew what God knew, I wouldn't need to trust him. You know, COVID people see as such a calamity. I see it as a great opportunity for our light to shine. Because the world has no hope. There's no one giving hope in a crisis. Except the children of God, who are the light of the world. Supposed to be. And if you're negative and whiny, you're no good to anybody. You've lost your saltiness. <laughs> Get quiet on me, why don't you? <laughs> and if you're a child of God, you don't get negative about every negative thing. You have hope in the Lord. No matter what goes on. And these conspiracy theorists, I'm so tired of it. I've had it all my life. Apparently, he was going to come in 1988. 88 reasons why he'd come. And it just came and went and he still didn't come. And then Y2K, the computers are going to stop the whole world. That didn't happen. Then we had blood moons or red moons or some moon. And that came and went. I'm so tired of people causing all this excitement about nothing. I want to get excited about Jesus. They've been exploring and studying end times. For what reason? For what reason? It's going to happen if you're not going to stop it. But you're safe in the hands of the Lord. Get focused on the kingdom. You know, I would ask you today, when last have you led someone to Jesus? That's more important. If I would ask you, when last have you just told someone about the love of God? Yeah, you got quiet. We all focused on all kinds of nonsense. Instead of getting focused on the true things that really matter. Eternal life. That's what Jesus came to give was eternal life. And the people around us that we are responsible for to bring the good news to them. We've got to tell them. John the Baptist got frustrated with Jesus because his message was so different. And he felt that he'd spent his whole life preparing for this now to die. And he wasn't even sure if this is actually the Messiah because he was so different. And Jesus could go tell John that blind eyes open, that the deaf hear, that lame walk, and the good news is preached to the poor, the good news. And he said, blessed are those that do not take an offense because of me. 
And why would we get offended at Jesus? Because he's so kind and loving and so forgiving and so wanting to save even your worst of your enemies. You got an awfully quiet, oh, is this quiet? I don't remember them being this quiet. It's like, I don't like what he's saying. Can you just get to the prophecy part, please? I want you to hear the truth. Whatever situation we find ourselves in as a family of God or individually in your life, whatever challenge, it's an opportunity to let your light shine. You've got to let your light shine. You've got to be salty. You've got to be salty at all times. Make a difference because God puts you in a position. I've heard Christians ask me so many times, pray for me that I can get out of the situation where I am. I don't want to work here anymore. I work with these heathens. Well, where do you want to work? With Christians? You ask God to use you. He's put you right there where your darkness so light can shine. Get a grip. Do your job, right? So what I'm here to tell you is be strengthened that God is far more in control than you can understand. Even of your life in the smallest detail. Be at peace and lean on Him. Don't keep going against fighting God's purposes. Go with the flow. Let God be God in your life. He loves you so much. None of you here by chance today. And I do want to watch the clock because I want to minister to a lot of people here. All the sinners, Pastor, lined up for me. <laughs> Which is most of you. Redeemed by the blood. Redeemed by the blood. Don't keep that message to yourself. We need to keep on sharing it every day. Look for someone today and tomorrow to tell about the love of God. And the Holy Ghost will lead you anywhere you're supposed to go. Whatever crisis you're facing, God's got you covered. God will even lead you into a crisis. He told the disciples to go to the other side, knowing full well there'd be a storm. Didn't warn them about the storm because they'd be focused on the storm. He wanted them to focus on the other side. So whatever storm you're going through, God's not stressed by it. In fact, he's taking a nap. <laughs> Why don't you? <laughs>